Matthew 7. We're at the point where Jesus is now wrapping up this sermon. Um, and, and as he wraps up the sermon, he's going to get to this point uh, where everything has been building. And this point is the point of decision. It's the point of choice. He, he's talked about true righteousness that God intends. And he's talked about the false righteousness of the Pharisees. He's talked about what it means to truly follow God in the law. And, and he's, he's talked about how the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law have twisted what it means and, and are doing it their own way to benefit them. He's talked about real humility. And he's talked about the false assurance of pride. He has been laying out for us week after week as we've gone through this series, true religion that God honors and false religion that people have been following. And now as we get to the end, he's going to give his listeners and us the pitch, if you will, the choice. He's going to tell us what he desires of us. He's going to give us this choice that lays in front of us. Now here's the reality, right? Every single one of us has to decide if we are going to follow Jesus. That is the burden of free will. In God's sovereignty, in God's perfect sovereignty, right? He gives all of us the opportunity to decide whether or not we will choose to follow him. That burden is ours. And this is where we find ourselves as we work through this sermon. He's saying, okay, you have all the information. I've told you what true religion looks like. I've showed you what false religion is like. I'm telling you what real righteousness looks like. I've told you what self-indulgent behavior looks like. We're getting to the point now where he says, it's time for you to choose. And, and really, the choice, the choice isn't as complicated as we think it is. Okay? Jesus says there's really basically two choices. And in those two choices, um, you're going to find that you're either with me or you're not. See, the world will offer you a lot of choices. See, there are a lot of different religions. There are a lot of different philosophies. There are a lot of different things, ways to go and things to believe and things to, to dig into and devote your life to and to commit yourself to. And, and some of them are secular and some of them have the name of spiritual and religion attached to them. But Jesus is basically saying, really, there are two choices. You are following me or you're following yourself. Those are the only two options. It's either my way and the way that I am leading you and the way I am going as the God of all things, or it's whatever way you decide you want to go. That's it. And, and, and the fact that there's choices, right, that's not new for us, right? All through the Old Testament, God has led his prophets to bring his people to the point of choosing. This morning will be no different, Except I'm not a prophet. Sorry, I said that wrong, right? 
But this morning will be no different in, in that God, through his word, has led us to the point of choosing. But here's what he says through Moses. Today I have given you the choice between life and death. What was the choice? It was either to follow God's law or reject God's law. I'm giving you the choice between life and death, between blessings and cursings. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, the pleading. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Joshua says this. You know this. In Joshua 24, uh, as they're ready uh, at the end of his life, as they've entered the promised land, he calls all the people together and he says, listen, serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, if, if, if that doesn't seem like a good idea to you, then choose today who you will serve. Do you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? You want to follow those idols? He says, go for it. But you have to choose. He says, for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. But he says, you have to choose. Elijah um, after the showdown with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, he, he stood in front of the people after God had proved himself and showed himself as real and powerful. Elijah calls God to send fire down from heaven to take the sacrifice, and God responds in a big way, showing that he alone has the power and authority over all creation. Elijah stands in front of the people, and he says, How much longer? will you waver? How long will you hobble between two options, between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. See, this is the moment that we find ourselves at. It's the choice moment that Jesus is at. He's been leading people through it um, God has been leading people through it all since he created mankind. Choose, who will you follow? Will you follow God or will you go another way? Those are the only choices. That's the point that all of these prophets are making, right? It's God or it's the gods that your, that your ancestors served. It's the Lord God or it's the gods of the Amorites. It's God or it's Baal, right? The choices are God or anything else. And he's calling us to decide. He's calling us to choose. And the reality is the choice will always be yours. God has done his part. God sent his one and only son to live perfectly. Fully God, fully man. God sent his one and only son who was without sin, to be sin for our behalf. As Jesus hung on the cross, he took the full wrath of God's sin that he did not deserve, took it upon himself so that we might choose to follow him and in following him be given eternal life. But the choice is ours. Matthew 7, Jesus puts it this way. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell, don't do it, don't start singing. It's a terrible song. 
but it also has a great beat. I know it's weird. <laughs> the highway to hell is broad, and the gate is wide for the many who choose that way. Choice. The highway to hell is wide, and the gate is huge, and many people choose to go that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Now, we're going to dig into this a little bit here, but there's a couple things I want you to know up front, right? And the first is this. We have to choose. We have to choose. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you need to choose. There is this road, right? And interestingly enough, it's the road you're already on, right? The implication is you need to choose a different road. Many people are on this road, this highway to hell, with a broad gate and a wide gate, and that's the direction you're going. He says, but there is this other path and this other gate, and it's small and it's narrow, but I want you to choose it. And, and so before we dig in any further, I, I want to explain to you that this choice is bigger than you think it is. Because there are a lot of people who in our culture think really highly of Jesus who have not chosen to enter the narrow gate. But they like Jesus. They think Jesus has some great teachings. He's a good moral philosopher. He says some good things about the way you're supposed to treat people. He says some good things about how you're supposed to love others. They're like, we like Jesus. They just don't want to follow him as Lord. There are a lot of people who think highly of Jesus, but they still don't enter the narrow gate. Remember when I was in high school, um, I cannot remember her name, but I re it's hard to forget her, right? Because she was loud and she had an opinion on everything. She basically was me in a, a woman's body. <laughs> because I'm loud and have an opinion on everything. Some, some of you are like, well, I don't get it. You will. You'd be on the way home and you're like, oh, yeah, he is loud and he does have an opinion on everything. Anyway, here's the deal, right? She was an outspoken atheist. There is no God and she was evangelistic in her atheism. There is no God. And she would try to convince you, like if, if she heard that you went to church or were going to youth group, she would try to, to come alongside you and save you from that religious um, repression but you know what she wore? A really big cross. I'm like, okay, is that a fashion statement or, or what? And, and here, here is, is what happened. She had, gone, um, she had gone on a weekend experience. Somebody that was being equally as evangelistic as she was um, in her atheism, this person is a Christian, invited her to go on something called a tech weekend. I don't know if they still have those, but in, in my high school days, that was called Teens Encounter Christ, um, similar to a Youth for Christ kind of a thing. So she went to this weekend retreat, and, and part of the weekend retreat is, is that you, you go home with a big cross, right, that you're supposed to wear to signify that, hey, I'm with Jesus now. I'm like, well, 
Here's why she wore the cross. Because Jesus was such a great teacher. And Jesus had great things to say. And Jesus was awesome. He just wasn't God. And there are a lot of people who think really highly of Jesus. I hope that, I hope that she chose differently. I don't know anything about her in her life now that I'm out of high school. I hope that she chose differently, right? But if not, here's what's going to happen. She's on a highway to hell. The highway that has a large gate that leads to destruction, all the while thinking highly of Jesus. Because she doesn't understand what he's calling her to. And, and, and here in Matthew 7, clearly calling us to choice. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, but the gate is narrow. You know, you know why the highway to hell is broad? Because it accepts everything. The highway to hell is attractive because it doesn't ask you for anything. The highway to hell looks appealing because it never has to tell somebody something they don't want to hear. The highway to hell feels really good because it's inclusive. You know why it's inclusive? It's inclusive because it never asks for surrender. And since it doesn't ask for surrender, you don't have to give anything up. And since you don't have to give anything up, everybody's welcome. All in the name of Jesus. So you got to remember, he's not talking, when, when he's talking about this highway to hell right now, he's not talking about Islam or Buddhism, right? He's not talking about religions that clearly reject God of the Bible, that clearly reject Jesus. We, listen, we, we know, we've talked about this before. There are not many paths to God, right? All drains don't lead to the ocean. There are not many roads. That was a Nemo thing. Not all roads get to the God of the Bible. Some people say, well, you get Jesus, but, but I've got Buddha and we'll both get there. Or you've got Jesus and I've got Muhammad and we'll all get there at the end. No, it doesn't work that way. The Bible is clear. But that's not who Jesus is talking about here. Here, Jesus is clearly talking about a brand of Judaism or a brand of Christianity that twists. Right? He's talking to people of Israel right now. And he's saying, you people of Israel, you religious people, you think you're on the right road, but really you're on the highway to hell. The reason that, that this wide road is so attractive is because it's about you. It's about who you are. It's about what you bring to the table. It's about your desires and how God will honor them. It's about you living the best life that you want to live right now and how that must be what God wants for you too because God wouldn't give it to you. God wouldn't put it in your heart. God wouldn't allow you to feel that way if it wasn't what he wanted for you. God wouldn't give you passion and desire and then say don't, right? Well, so what happens is on this highway, there are a lot of people who think they're just honoring God by living their best life. But they forget that Jesus has asked for surrender. But because this road is inclusive, 
because we don't all have to agree on things. Because there isn't something like one way. This is the road that the world that we live in teaches us is the best road. So you have to understand what I'm saying here is that the entire culture that we live in is happy and lauds it and celebrates it and says we're enlightened and we're, we're good and we're right and we're loving if we encourage people to, to travel this highway. But that's not what God asks for. God wants us on the narrow road. And he says few find it. And it's not because it's hidden. It's not hidden. But he says few will find it. You know why few find it? Because of the price tag. You're like, well, Matt, I thought, I thought there was no price tag to Christianity. I thought it was a free gift of salvation from, from God through Jesus. I thought everybody could get there. Everybody can get there. And it is a free gift because there's no way you can earn it. Right? You, you could sell everything you have. You could sacrifice yourself and you still wouldn't have enough to pay for it. It is a free gift. But it's not cheap. Salvation costs. It costs Jesus' blood, but it, but it costs some other things too. And the reason that it's a narrow gate and, 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 a, and a small footpath and few people find it, right, is, is because... It comes at a price tag. Jesus says, if you want to walk the narrow path, see, see we don't sell this part. We, we, we soft sell Christianity something fierce, and it's, it's atrocious. And I've done it to you, I'm sure, at some point in time, and I'm sorry. Right? I, but we soft pedal this like it's no big deal. Like all you got to do is repeat after me and pray a prayer, and then you're good. Right? Then you get, then you get heaven. It just doesn't work that way. Because Jesus says, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, then you must die to yourself. He said to the crowd, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Take up your cross is a very intentional phrase that Jesus uses, knowing that he's about to pick up his, and it's going to lead to his physical death. This is Jesus telling you that you are going to have to put to death your own desires for the sake of following him. Part of the reason people struggle with biblical Christianity so much is because we haven't taught biblical Christianity. We just haven't done it as a culture. We haven't done it in a long time. I mean, there are pockets. I feel like we've done a decent job. We could do better. I could do better right? And I feel like there's some other churches that do a good job, but by and large, culturally, we haven't taught biblical Christianity. We've taught Christianity about how much God loves you and wants to save you, and that is absolutely true. Fact. But it's only half of the story, right? Think, think about it, right? The day of Pentecost, because today's Pentecost, right? You're like, like, yay, today's the anniversary of Pentecost. This is the birth of the church. This is the anniversary of the birth of the church. That's a big deal. Thank you. I'm like, somebody say amen, because if you can't amen about the birth of the church, then I don't know what you're going to amen about. Today's the birth of the church. 
All right, cool. Whew. Thank you. Um, right? This is the day, right? The Holy Spirit comes down and, and the church is born and released, right? And as the church, it's our job to tell the truth. And the truth is that Christianity is not for everybody. I mean, it's for everybody, but it's not for everybody. Because there are some people that will like Jesus, but they won't want to pay the price. That might be some of you. That might be some of you sitting here that are trying to wrestle with this, that, that you know, you like Jesus, but you're not sure you want to pay what it is he's asking you to pay. And you're not sure if that's good enough or not. I've been there. I wrestle with that. This happens especially when you're younger. Especially when you're younger, you're like, okay, I've heard all about Jesus my whole life. They drug me to church. I've heard about Jesus. But, but you know, I still want to do my thing. I still want to live life my way. I want to make my choices. I want to do what makes me happy. And I'm not saying God wants you to be miserable. That's not what I'm saying at all. God wants you to have fun. God wants you to experience joy. God wants you to, to do these things. But, but he's very clear. Where his will and your will depart, he is telling you that my will needs to win. Where your will and God's will diverge, Jesus is saying, you've got to put your will to death because mine is the one that counts. Because you've got to die to yourself. It's also narrow because the world's going to hate you. And we hate to be hated. Of course we hate to be hated. I've been a pastor for about eight and a half years. And in eight and a half years, I have had more people vehemently angry with me than the rest of my life put together. That's from people from inside and outside the church. It's part of the deal. It's part of the deal for you too. As a Christian, people will hate you and you have to be okay with that. Jesus says in Luke, and everyone will hate you, right? Like, like that's a pretty clear statement. Everyone will hate you because you're my follower. And it's a narrow gate because you've got to give up everything for it. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. And in his excitement, he hid it again and he went and he sold every single thing that he owned so that he could go back and buy that one thing. Like he sold every single thing that he owned so that he could have this thing. See, I don't, I don't know that we really understand what it means to walk the narrow gate or the, the narrow road and, and, and enter through the narrow gate. We think, oh, we just have to accept Jesus. Yeah, you do just have to accept Jesus. But Jesus says, when you accept me, you will die to yourself. You will sacrifice your will for the sake of my will. And people will hate you for it. Nobody will celebrate you for it. They will hate you for it. And oh, by the way, it will cost you everything you've got. See, Jesus isn't soft-selling uh, what it means to be his follower. He is laying it all on the line. He has told you true righteousness, false righteousness, true religion, false religion. This is what it is. And he says, and if you want to be mine, if you want the true religion that leads to life, not the false one that leads to destruction, then this is the walk, this is the road, this is the gate. It's narrow and it's hard. 
But the choice is yours. I've had this conversation, not this one. We're going to read this one. But as I read this one, I want you to know that I could have... I could have shared with you conversations that I've had with people that have stopped coming to the church here. People that have stopped sending their children to our youth groups. Because they don't like it when we talk about sin. They don't like it when we talk about hell. They don't like about it like it when we talk about people being saved. Because the implication is that some people aren't. And the implication is that if we have to be saved that that it means that somehow we're not right already. And I was going to share with you one of those, and I thought, man, that's touchy. So I decided, at Pastor David's encouragement, not to do that. <laughs> because he's smarter than I am, and that's okay. So instead, you get this letter um, that somebody wrote to the paper, an op-ed to the paper in Melbourne, Australia. This is um, quite an old one, but the philosophy still stands because I've heard it firsthand here at Blessed Oak Community Church. Here's what he says. Here's what he wrote. After hearing Dr. Billy Graham on the air, viewing him on television and reading reports and letters concerning him and his mission, I am heartily sick of the type of religion that insists my soul and everyone else's needs saving, whatever that means. I have never felt that I was lost, nor do I feel that I daily wallow in the mire of sin, although repetitive preaching insists that I do. So here's a guy saying, I'm sick of hearing that there's something wrong with me. And that if I'm going to be a Christian, that I need to repent. Basically saying, I have nothing to repent from. I'm good. He continues. Here's what I want the church to be, he says. Give me a practical religion that teaches gentleness and tolerance that acknowledges no barriers of color or creed, that remembers the aged and teaches children the goodness and not of sin. And if in order to save my soul, I must accept such a philosophy as I have recently heard preached, I prefer to remain forever damned. So, so this is what that person is saying, and this is what we've had people say to us as they've they've pulled their kids out of youth group or they've stopped coming to the church. This is what they've said. The Bible has enough good in it. The Bible has enough good lessons in it. Teach the good lessons. Stop focusing on sin. Teach the good lessons of Jesus, right? He's a good guy. He says good things. Teach those lessons, but stop teaching this other nonsense. And stop telling people what happens when they die. Literally had somebody say this to me. Actually, they wrote it to me. They didn't say it to me. They wrote it to me. Um, pretty sure they wrote it to Shauna too. We, we're like, we're here on this one. You've never died and come back, so you don't know what happens. I'm like, all right, that's true. I don't know what happens. Neither do you. There's one person that does. That's Jesus. And Jesus says there's a narrow road with a small gate, and it leads to life. And there is a wide road with a big gate, and it leads to destruction. And I get that the message of the church is not always popular. And it's not because we're mean-spirited. 
It's not because we're mean-spirited. At least I don't think so. But it's because the message of the church says to people that you need saving. And when we say to somebody, you need saving, that means there is something wrong with you. And so it feels mean-spirited. And it's not. Now, part of the problem is sometimes Christians are mean-spirited. Sometimes we are, and you've got to knock that off. Because nobody's ever going to listen to the right message if your attitude is mean and nasty. Why would they ever listen to you if your attitude is mean and nasty, right? But no matter how kindly and politely, no, no matter how lovingly and carefully we say it, there are going to be times, listen to me, where if we are doing the work that God gave us to do, we are saying things people don't want to hear. There just have to be. Because the message of the cross is you need to be saved and Jesus did the work. Let's keep going. So he says this. He says, so beware, right? Beware of the false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but they are really vicious wolves. Here's the reason he says this, right? Because he's just said, man, there is a wide road that a lot of people are traveling, and, and there is a narrow road that is hard. The narrow road leads to life, to heaven, to eternity. The wide road leads to destruction. It leads to hell. And it's real, and it's awful. And unfortunately... In the name of God, there are a lot of people, right? There's a reason he puts this right after. Don't walk the highway to hell, but walk the, the footpath to heaven. And then right after he says, and beware of false prophets. Because there are a lot of false prophets who are going to come disguised as harmless sheep, but they are really vicious wolves. And a false prophet, a false preacher, a false teacher, a false church is a church that is going to speak with the authority that they say comes from God, and they are going to say something to keep you on the highway to hell, not the footpath to heaven. Here's how you know. There's a lot of ways to know, but here's, here's one way to know. Invariably, what Jesus is saying is, there are a lot of people traveling this way. There are only a few going this way. And if you've got a teacher or a prophet or a preacher, a pastor, a church that is trying to tell you that the narrow way is actually a lot wider than you thought it was, that is a good indicator that that is a false teacher, a ferocious wolf that claims to be speaking from God. They claim to be as harmless as a sheep. They say, no, God wrote in his word, but no, what I read in God's word is there's a highway to hell and there is a small gate that leads to eternal life and that you've got to die to yourself if you want to be a follower of Jesus and that they are going to hate you, not love you because you are a follower of Jesus and you've got to give up everything to have life. So when you hear someone trying to widen that narrow road, Jesus says, beware, beware. Because there are false prophets who will come disguised as harmless sheep, but they are really vicious wolves. And they're not new. 
there have been false prophets as long as God has had true prophets. As long as there have been men or women speaking for God, there have been men or women that Satan has hijacked to lead them somewhere else. It's just the way it is. Everything Satan does is to provide a counterfeit alternative to what God's doing. Here are a couple warning signs. How do you know that you're hearing false teaching? I already said they're, they're trying to widen the path, but here are, some, here are some tangible things. False teaching, false preaching, um, false churches. They're denying the inerrancy of the Bible. We are staking everything, our eternity. I am staking my eternity, my reputation, on the fact that this is the word of God. It is living it is active, it is useful for correction, rebuke, teaching, admonishing, and all of the things that lead to life. Amen. I'm staking everything on this. Right? We just added covenant members who know, right? One of the things we talked about is this is what we believe. And our covenant commitment is to stay true to this as what we believe. Not to, not to compromise it or sacrifice it in any way. Wolves in sheep's clothing will deny the inerrancy of the Bible. They will say that the Bible is good. It's got good things in it. It's got good teaching in it. But that it's not to be 100% understood as factual and the word of God. They will deny the existence of hell sometimes. Because we don't want to be the bad guy that sends people to hell. That's not inclusive. Right? Nobody sends people to hell. People choose to go there. That's the road they're on, and they choose not to get off. That's on them. Jesus says, that's your decision. But false teachers, oftentimes, they won't. They won't, they, they, they won't even acknowledge that it's real. They'll suggest that Christ isn't the only way. Christ is a way. He's a good way. He's not the only way. They'll argue for inclusion over holiness. God says, be holy because I'm holy. False teachers will say, listen, it's more important for us to focus on what brings people together than on holiness. So stop saying those other things. Stop teaching those other things. Stop focusing on those things. Just focus on being together. And false teachers will confuse self-help with the gospel. The problem is, I got no issue with self-help. Just know what it is. There's a lot of good stuff out there in the name of self-help. I've learned quite a bit from self-help books. Do you know that there are seven habits for highly effective people? Stephen Covey taught me. Stephen Covey taught me. I learned them all, and I still practice like four of them. And they're very good. Self-help. Nothing wrong with self-help. It's not the gospel. You can't heal yourself, right? Right? Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible is the actual teaching that you have to fix yourself or that you have to be self-actualized or that you need to stop doubting yourself and just trust yourself and have your best life and experience all of these things. No, the Bible says whether we like it or not, 
The Bible says that we're broken and that we need Jesus. And that part of having Jesus is figuring out how to live my life that honors him. And that comes from here. Self-help is fine, but oh my goodness, it is not the gospel. Beware. Jesus says, beware of false teachers. They are ferocious. Here's what they do. They mess with your mind. They attack your belief. They get you to doubt the word of God. They get you to start thinking, maybe I, or some teachers at least that are smarter than I am, maybe we know better than God. Maybe this was good for then, but it's not good for now. Maybe it doesn't mean what, what, what it says. Maybe it means something else. And I, I got to be honest with you. That's false teaching, and it should have nothing to do um, in the mind of a Christian because it will lead us astray. And here is the damning part. Listen to me. Jesus is clear. There is a wide highway to hell, and there is a narrow path to heaven. And he is not saying there is an excuse or a way that will save people that were misled by ferocious wolves. And we hate that. Oh my goodness, we hate it. But he is not saying, listen, if you were lied to by somebody convincing and you believed it, don't worry, I'm going to save you anyway. I don't want to throw stones. It's terrible um, to throw stones. Especially when I'm up here and, and people can't argue with me when I'm up here because that would be weird. Argue with me after if you want. Just down the street. The Kingdom Hall. The Jehovah's Witness Church. That is clearly teaching a false gospel. It's a wide road that's going to hell. It's bastardized the word of God. It has taken Jesus off of the throne as God himself incarnate, and it has recast him as something different. It's part of the highway that's going to hell, and there are people there that genuinely, genuinely want to please God, that genuinely want to honor God. Their desire is to be right with God, and they're listening to teaching that is ferocious because it's dressed up like a sheep, but it will devour them. This is a dangerous game. And, and Jesus says, how do you identify them? How do you know? Well, you identify them by their fruit. He says, you can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can, and then he just gives you a couple of examples that are like, well, of course not, right? Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown in the fire. It's worthless, right? If it's not producing good fruit, it's not what God wants from it. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. And God says, look, that's on you. It's on you. It's on you to figure it out. It's on you to navigate. You, I hope, do not sit here, listen to what I say to you, what Pastor David says to you, and then just say, yeah, that's what we heard. It must be true. 
you ought to discover for yourself. You have to know the Word of God. If you don't know the Word of God, how do you know what I'm telling you? Maybe it's stupid. Maybe it's selfish. Maybe I'm just cherry-picking some things to prove some points that I want to make. How do you know? If you don't know the Word of God, how do you know? That's on you. Now, God says he'll judge me harshly. He'll judge me harshly if I teach you wrong. But you still have to, you still have to answer for yourself. He's like, good trees produce good fruit. Bad trees produce bad fruit. Be aware. That's why we're really careful as much... I, I mean, we're really careful to teach Jesus. Jesus is it. There is nothing else but Jesus. And I got to be honest with you. It's not that we teach Jesus because we're like, well, we live here in America. And in America, we love Jesus. No. We teach Jesus because Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. What, what does he say, right? Um, oh, man, I, I missed it. I went past it somewhere. It was in there. It was really good. Or I didn't put it in my, my slides. But he says, right? He says in John, he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I'm the life. He says, I'm the gate. I'm the door. He says, anyone that knocks, we, we read this a couple of weeks ago, anybody that knocks, I will answer. Jesus is telling you that he is everything. Of course he is. Right? We don't believe in Jesus because we happen to be born in America. Listen, the gospel isn't from here. It's not like it started here, but I hear that all the time, right? Like somebody said that to me in my office last week, that, that we only believe this because we're from here. If we lived anywhere else in the world, we'd believe something different. Wait a minute. The gospel came from the Middle East. It was in Africa and Asia and Europe well before it got here. We don't believe this because of geography. We believe this because it's what Jesus says about himself. And it's either true or it's not. Amen. And he says, this is the way. He finishes up with this. Not everyone who calls on me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. That's code for not everyone who calls themselves a Christian is actually a Christian. This is on judgment day. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name and we performed many miracles in your name. And I'll reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. These are the saddest words in scripture. Because these are people who will come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I was with you. And he'll say, no, no, you weren't. You were on the wide road, the highway to hell. My footpath was over here, and I made it clear. But you didn't choose to walk down it. You didn't choose to enter through that gate. Some people want to know why, why we can't just be nicer. Like, I, I literally have people ask me that question. Why can't you just preach nicer? Because I'm not very good at my job. But also, <laughs> because this verse exists. Because this verse exists. And it breaks my heart. 
Because there will be a day. There will be a day where there will be people who think they're good will find out that they have to spend an eternity in hell because they chose poorly. These aren't people. These aren't people that have grown up saying, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. I'm rejecting Jesus. I don't want Jesus. No, it's not those people. These are people that went to church. These are people that said grace. These are people that belted out God bless America on the 4th of July. These are people that knew Jesus was real. I mean, can you wrap your head around that? There are people that know Jesus is real that will still choose to stay on the highway to hell. And here's what he's going to say to them. He's going to say, depart from me. Am I going long? Is that what happened? Are they pulling me off the stage? They joke about that every week. I didn't think they were actually going to do it. It's kind of awesome. There are people, religious people, moral people, well-behaved people who have decided that that's the most important thing, to be good, to be moral. And the answer they're going to hear <laughs> the answer they're going to hear get away from me. I don't know you. Get away from me. And when they say get when, when Jesus says get away from me you gotta, you got to know where he's standing. He's standing at this place that offers life. And the alternative is what the Bible describes, whether it's little, literal or figurative, as a fiery lake of hell. And he's saying, get away from me. You don't belong here. You belong there. This is why we can't preach nicer. Because that moment is a literal moment that will happen. And I don't want to be responsible for any of you. I don't want to have to answer for any of you. And I doubt you want to have to answer for the people that you love either. So we have to choose... And we have to take our mission carefully. I just pray with me and let's get out of here. Heavenly Father, God, you are good and kind and we love you. I, I know as I say you are good and you're kind, there are people that will bristle at that because they'll say, but what about, what about those people? And he's saying, get away from me. I didn't know you and that's not fair and it, and, and it hurts. And, and I get that. 
But God, the goodness and kindness comes that you went through agony and pain and suffering so that we wouldn't have to be in that moment. So that instead of hearing, get away from me, I don't know you, we could hear, well done, good and faithful servant. God, I pray for the congregation here at Blessed Hope. I pray for the body, for those that call this place home. I pray that their choice is clear. And while it's not simple and it's not easy and it's hard to do at times, that they clearly will seek to walk the narrow path because that truly is the way to life. And it's not perfection, God, but it's, it's a choosing to make you the Lord of our lives. God, we can't have salvation without lordship. God, and for those that have not made that choice, I pray, I pray, God, that you will move them through the power of your Holy Spirit to come to the place where they say, I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to die to myself. I'm ready to make Jesus my Lord. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we just thank you. We thank you for everything you've done for us. We thank you for the saving of our souls. We thank you for the sending of your Holy Spirit for the birth of the church. We thank you, Father. We love you and praise you. Amen.